good. Let's read verse number 30. We're continuing with the prayers. So it's interesting that these are prayers uh, of the demigods and the demons, right? So for once, the demons and the demigods are in agreement about something. Uh, okay, verse number 30. <clears throat> I'll just read the translation. O Lord, Lord Shiva, your shadow is seen in irreligion, which brings about varieties of irreligious creations. The three modes of nature, goodness, passion, and ignorance, are your three eyes. So, Shiva has three eyes. All the Vedic literatures, which are full of verses, are emanations from you, because their compilers wrote the various scriptures after receiving your glance. Some rather esoteric descriptions of Lord Shiva. Okay, let's chant verse number 31 together. Nate giri tra kila loka pala. Nate giri tra kila loka pala. Vidin Chavai Kunta Surendra Gamyam Vidin Chavai Kunta Surendra Gamyam Jyoti Param Yatra Rajasthamascha Jyoti Param Yatra Rajasthamascha Satvang nayat brahma nirastabedam. Satvang nayat brahma nirastabedam. Right. Na, not. Te, of your lordship. Giritra, O king of the mountains. Akila Lokapala, all the directors of departments of material activities, Vidincha, Lord Brahma, yes, Vaikunta. <laughs> Lord Vishnu, Sura Indra, the King of Heaven, Gamyam, they can understand, Jyoti, right, what else? Uh, effulgence, Param, Transcendental <laughs> Yatra, Yatra, wherein, wherein. 
Raja, the mode of passion. Tamacha, and the mode of ignorance. Satvam, yes. Na, <laughs> yat Brahma, which is impersonal Brahman. Nirastabhedam, without distinction between demigods and human beings. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Translation, O Lord Girisha, since the impersonal Brahman effulgence is transcendental, to the material modes of goodness, passion, and ignorance. The various directors of this material world certainly cannot appreciate it or even know where it is. What is it that they cannot appreciate or know? Yes, the impersonal Brahmani fulgence. It is not understandable even to Lord Brahma, Lord Vishnu, or the King of Heaven, Mahendra. Purports. The Brahma Jyoti is actually the effulgence of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, as stated in Brahma Samhita 540. Yasya prabha prabhavato jagadanda koti kotishvasesha vasudadi vibhuti bindam tat pramanishkalamanantam anechesabdam govindamadi purusham tamaham bhajami. I worship Govinda, the primeval Lord, who is endowed with great power, the glowing effulgence of his transcendental form is the impersonal Brahman, which is absolute, complete, and unlimited, and which displays the varieties of countless planets with their different opulences in millions and millions of universes. <laughs> Although the impersonal feature of the absolute is an expansion of the rays of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he does not need to take care of the impersonalists who enter the Brahma Jyoti. Hmm. Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita 9.4, Maya tatamidang sarvam jagadavyaktamurtina In my impersonal feature, I pervade this entire universe. Thus the avyaktamurti the impersonal feature is certainly an expansion of Krishna's energy. Mayavadis, who prefer to merge into this Brahman effulgence, worship Lord Shiva. The mantras referred to in text 29 are called Mukhani Panchopanishadas Tavesha. Mayavadis take all these mantras seriously in worshipping Lord Shiva, which implies that Vaishnavas don't take these mantras seriously. <laughs> uh, 
But then, what does Prabhupada do? He proceeds to give us uh, the first few words of not five, but 38 mantras. <laughs> Interesting. These mantras are as follows. One, tat purushaya vidmahe shantyai. Two, mahadevaya dimahi vidyayai. Three, tanno rudra pratishtayai. Four, prachodayat dhrityai. Five, agore bhyasthama. And now comes three dots. <laughs> so, continuing. And then, should I read all of this? goes on and on and on and on and on. Uh, okay, I'm going to jump to the last three. 36. <laughs> Brahmadipatir, Brahmanodipatir, Brahman, Brahmeshtada. And then 37. Shivome astumarichai. And 38, Sada Shiva Jvalinyai. Hare Krishna. The purport continues. The impersonal Brahman is unknown even to the other directors of the material creation, including Lord Brahma, Lord Indra, and even Lord Vishnu. This does not mean, however, that Lord Vishnu is not omniscient. Lord Vishnu is omniscient, but he does not need to understand what is going on in his all-pervading expansion. <laughs> Therefore, in Bhagavad Gita, the Lord says that although everything is an expansion of him, mayat damidam sarvam, he does not need to take care of everything, since there are various directors like Lord Brahma, Lord Shiva, and Indra. And so ends Prabhupada's purport to this verse. O Lord Girisha, let's repeat it together. O Lord Girisha, since the impersonal Brahmani fulgence is transcendental to the material modes of goodness, passion and ignorance. The various directors of this material world certainly cannot appreciate it or even know where it is. It is not understandable even to Lord Brahma Lord Vishnu, or the King of Heaven, Mahendra. So this verse seems to be mainly about what is not known, <laughs> namely Brahman. And at the end of the purport, uh, in, in effect, uh, Prabhupada says, even Lord Vishnu is not conscious of it, not because he's not omniscient, he doesn't need to know. He doesn't care. <laughs> it's not important to him. But it's very important to who? To the Mayavadis who worship 
Lord Shiva. Yeah. So uh, this is an interesting way of describing Lord Shiva. And it's obviously a description by Vaishnavas, but then it's also being spoken... Uh, well, technically, I don't know if the demons are speaking here, uh, but they're, they're somehow participating in all of this. Um, there's also some attention to mantras, uh, which, as Prabhupada says, this was referred to in verse number 29, uh, which was discussed later, but we can read was discussed yesterday, but we can read again. O oh Lord, the five important Vedic mantras are represented by your five faces, from which the 38 most celebrated Vedic mantras have been generated. Your Lordship being celebrated as Lord Shiva is self-illuminated. You are directly situated as the supreme truth known as Paramatma. Okay, so Lord Shiva is identified with mantras. And mantras are one way to understand the whole um, culture of mantra chanting is it's a kind of, uh, we might call it Vedic technology. Um, and Prophet in his translation emphasizes these are Vedic mantras, and it would be interesting uh, to research uh, just just where these are and what are the complete mantras and and so on. So much could be done. Um, but what comes to my mind about these mantras and the relation to Shiva is that there are kind of two categories of mantras. There's Vedic mantras and there's tantric mantras. And um, this is mentioned by Krishna in 11th Canto when Krishna is discussing, it's very, in the very beginning, I think it's chapter 27, uh, Krishna is talking about archana about it's all about how different ways one can worship the Lord. And in the very beginning he says you can worship in a Vedic way or you can worship in a tantric way or you can worship in a mixed way, Mishra. <laughs> Aren't you happy to know this? <laughs> something you didn't know huh? well you may ask what what is it that we do uh, what system of worship do we have actually we have both we have Mishra mixed uh, the, the mantras that we worship with uh, the deities are mainly tantric mantras tantra oh no what yeah, that'll keep everyone awake. <laughs> well, it's Tantra, but it's not what you might think is Tantra. It's Sattvika Tantra. Whew. Because most of what people hear of as Tantra is Rajasika or Tamasika Tantra. 
But in any case, it's Tantra. And okay, so what's the difference? Uh, the difference, one difference, is that Vedic mantras come from the Vedic Samhitas, Rig Samayajur Atarva, mainly Rig Veda. Uh, now this verse, 30, uh, sorry, 29, says, Pancha Upanishada, Mukani Pancha Upanishada Tava. Five, uh, five faces are identified with Upanishads. You may say, but that's not the four Vedas. Well, yes, it is, because each of the Upanishads are identified as uh, portions of the four, mainly three uh, Vedic Samhitas. Uh, and so, okay, Vedic. Tantra, what is Tantra? Uh, tantra are other mantras, and they are mantras which are received not by qualification of birth, because to receive Vedic mantras, one has to, according to the tradition, be born in a uh, dvija, in a twice-born family. Otherwise, otherwise, no, we can't, we don't get access. Uh, <laughs> having said that, uh, we, in our tradition, receive one Vedic mantra. Yes, the Brahma Gayatri. And this is a source of some objection by some traditionalist Indians. They say, ah, you can't give this mantra. Well, as it turns out, the Gayatri mantra is, is readily available now all over the Internet uh, you know, anybody can, can see it. There's one, also one mission in India. I don't know their name, but uh, they're on a mission to spread Gayatri Mantra, just as we are on a mission to spread chanting of Hare Krishna. <laughs> they're actually saying everyone should chant Gayatri. <laughs> in any case, Tantra is... Uh, what we do mainly, and what sort of tantra? The kind which is given in Pancharatra. Pancharatra is a kind of genre, a type of literature, uh, which we at least tangentially <laughs> follow uh, for worship of the deity and also for the philosophy, the theology of deity worship. Okay. But we're talking about Lord Shiva, and Shiva is associated very much with other sorts of Tantra. And he is often worshipped uh, for the purpose of uh, gaining uh, impersonal Brahman, as we would say, right? Uh, these followers of Lord Shiva are mm, not popular amongst the Vaishnavas, and indeed the Bhagavatam praises Lord Shiva, uh, as we say, th to the sky. <laughs> we say in English, uh, praising to the sky. So Lord Shiva is praised, but his followers, mm, yeah, generally not, generally not, they're not appreciated. Uh, but here we have these followers of Lord Shiva, 
for the moment, if you like. We have uh, the demigods and the demons, everybody together. All together, let's worship Lord Shiva. Why? Because we're in trouble. Confirmed. Gesundheit. <laughs> and, uh, and we need to get out of trouble. And we've just looked. They do not specifically ask him to drink poison. But they say, please help. Uh, and do something about this. Do something about this poison. So this is the context. There is a problem, and it needs to be solved, and it needs to be solved urgently. So what I thought to do uh, now, just for fun, is to relate this mm, project, this task, uh, with a system which has been generated probably out of the business world, uh, for, uh, for identifying the right goal. You've probably heard of at least some of this. So-called smart goals. Never heard of smart goals? Everybody's heard of he, Yes, Manohar's probably been indoctrinated, yes? At Govardhan Eco Village. Yes. Right? Smart goals, we all know about smart goals. Something. Okay, smart goals are goals which are specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-phased. So S-M-A-R-T. Well, it goes, there's, there's several more uh, aspects of it, but we can start with these. So let's think about uh, this goal of the demigods and the demons with regard to the poison and with regard to Shiva, uh, Lord Shiva. This, this is easy. Is it specific? Very specific. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're not going to Lord Shiva and saying, oh, we have a problem. Uh, what's your problem? Well, we don't really know what is our problem. <laughs> No, they know what is their problem. <laughs> and so that's one thing that's not a problem is identifying the problem. Many times when there's a feeling that there's a problem, the main problem is we don't know what the problem is. <laughs> and another problem that comes with problems is not knowing who is the owner of the problem. Right? Right? Somebody comes to the temple president or uh, temple manager and says, there's this problem, and goes on and on and on about this problem. But uh, nobody says, wait a minute, let's figure out who is the owner of the problem. Let's first see who is the owner of the problem. Generally, uh, what sometimes, not generally, but it can happen, uh, that we go to uh, to a manager with a problem, and our main motivation is to unload the problem on the manager, when, in fact, it may not be their problem, it may be our problem. <laughs> so we can save a lot of trouble uh, when we're dealing with issues to identify what is the problem, and who owns it? <laughs> okay, um, 
So, with the, the situation here, is this problem measurable? Or rather, is the goal uh, of dealing with the problem measurable? Yeah? Yeah? We can say it's measurable. Because we'll know that when it's removed, it's gone. <laughs> complete there's you could say there's one there's there's one poison and what we want is zero poison <laughs> yeah the whole environmental movement has a problem because they don't know how much pollution is too much pollution and they don't know how much is going to be okay and you know there's many problems about the uh, the measurability of it all uh, it's controversial. Okay, third point. Is the goal attainable? Apparently. Huh? They have faith that Lord Shiva is going to be able to attain this goal. Yes, and of course, as we know, uh, it will be attainable. It'll be attainable in we might say, a surprising way, right? Because beforehand we don't know that uh, this, that the solution is going to be that Lord Shiva glug, 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 drinks, drinks the poison. Yeah, slurping. <laughs> Achamana. <laughs> yes. Huh? Zip? Slip. Sipping. Yes, yeah, sipping. Yeah, sipping poison. We don't know that. So it's attainable, but we don't know how it's going to be attainable until Lord Shiva actually does it. Then, uh, is the goal realistic? Maybe, maybe not. To remove all of the poison of the, of, of, of this planet, is that attainable? Hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, they see different attainable than we see. Uh, we don't see much of anything attainable, right? <laughs> Is it attainable to get up in the morning? Okay, that maybe I can manage. <laughs> huh? Not always. <laughs> and so on. And finally, of these five, uh, the goal should be Time, uh, what is it? Time phased should be re manageable in time segments. So, is this particular situation, would you say, time phased? Just now. <laughs> Just now coming. <laughs> Immediately, right? <laughs> Let's get it done and over with. Okay, those are, uh, so that's an interesting way of thinking about uh, a particular situation in the Bhagavatam, and then we can sort of reapply that, possibly or possibly not, to our own situations. There are nine further qualifications of a good goal. Uh, 
which we could discuss. I don't know. Do we want to discuss these or do we want to stop there and just consider what we have so far? Huh? Yeah? We'll see. We'll see how far we get. Okay. Uh, the next four make up the, what is it called? Anagram, not anagram, uh, of pure, P-U-R-E. So first is positively stated. Would you say that uh, the demigods and demons are making a positively stated goal? Very positive. Do something. Do something about this poison, please. Even though the thing which they want him to do is to, in a sense, do something negative, get rid of something. Uh, is this goal understood? Oh, yeah. Very much. No problem. But notice, this can be a problem. This can be part of a problem when we're dealing with life, right? We may have clarified what is the problem. We may have clarified who owns the problem. But we may not have... Under and we may come up with a solution, but we may not really understand that solution. Or maybe some understand and some don't understand. Uh, what's worse is if everyone thinks they understand, but nobody understands. <laughs> then there can be a problem. Uh, is this goal of removing the poison relevant? Huh? Yeah, it's a it's it's very relevant. Huh? <laughs> Couldn't be more relevant, <laughs> right? Yes, urgent. Okay. So positively stated, understood, relevant, and finally of this group, ethical. Ethical. Is it, is it right? Is it good that this be done? Or is this, going to, uh, is, is this going to go against some principles of ethics? Will it go against the principle of pure devotional service? Oh, uh-oh. Big problem here. <laughs> okay, stop the demigods and demons from having Lord Shiva uh, drink the poison. We'll just have poison all over the universe for the rest of the life of the universe. And do pure devotional service swimming in this poison. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> no? Yeah, maybe not. Okay. Uh, there's Okay, then quickly, there's five more principles. One is the goal should be challenging. It shouldn't be too easy. It should be a challenge. What do you think? Is this challenging? <laughs> Quite. <laughs> maybe, maybe, uh, maybe it's not something that Lord Shiva does every day. <laughs> right? Uh, and in fact, after they finish their prayers, Lord Shiva... It's very interesting. Lord Shiva is then going to consult with his wife, with Parvati. He's going to say, uh, so want, they want me to help to do this. What do you think? So there's some consultation, husband, wife. 
should be challenge. Oh, first of all, the anagram is clear. C L E A R. Challenging, and the next one is legal. Is it legal for Lord Shiva to do this? Yeah, must be, huh? I mean, even Lord Vishnu is agreeing to it, right? Yeah? Okay. There are no laws against swallowing poison when the poison is all over the universe. <laughs> mm. Some tried to make laws against it. Okay. Um, maybe related to this uh, is the third one. Is this goal environmentally sound? Is it good for the environment? Quite good, we may say. <laughs> Some might... There's always going to be someone who will disagree. No, actually, poison is very good. We need, we need to put more poison into the earth because uh, this... Uh, is uh, killing things that we don't want uh, to eat our uh, our our uh, fields, uh, so that you know we can feed more cows, so that we can slaughter more cows. Yeah, some people are thinking like that. A lot of people are thinking like that. Um, challenging, legal, environmentally sound. Agreed. It should be a goal which those who are involved in pursuing the goal agree. So we have the demigods and the demons. They're agreeing, isn't it? They want to stop this. And finally, R is for recorded. Recorded, written down. Huh? Yeah, the Bhagavatam has recorded it for us. <laughs> Was it recorded at the time that Lord Shiva was uh, deciding to do something about it? The, the Akash. He's been reading too much New Age stuff. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, another way you could say it's recorded is that Lord Shiva speaks to Parvati about it. So he's recording to her by relating it to her. That's a little bit of a stretch, but yeah, it's a kind of recording, you can say. Okay, so these are goals um, or aspects or ways, ways of judging a goal, and I think it's a nice way of uh, thinking about this pastime. Uh, so, so we find in the Srimad Bhagavatam uh, some nice directions for management, organization, uh, business, the business of swallowing poison. Lord Shiva, of course, is known as Nila Kanta because he consumes and it, it just stays in his throat. Um, and he's kind of celebrated uh, amongst uh, many sadhus who worship Lord Shiva for this. And in fact, they take this as an example for themselves uh, to do things like smoking ganja. They say, we can do this because we follow Shiva, and Lord Shiva takes intoxicant. We also take intoxicant. Make sense? No? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> 
oh, we are not Lord Shiva. Well, they're thinking maybe that they're sort of also Lord Shiva. So, <laughs> yeah, they're becoming Lord Shiva. Okay, I, I might uh, discuss other things, but I think we can stop there unless there's some further thought questions. Yes. Uh, I made a little search even during the class, and I found the verse which says the following. Okay. My dear gentle wife Bhavani, when one performs benevolent activities for others, the Supreme Personality of Godhead Hari is very pleased. And when the Lord is pleased, I am also pleased along with all living creatures. Therefore, let me drink this poison for all the living entities. May thus become happy because of me. Mm-hmm. It's a, there is a series of verses where he, as you mentioned, discusses the whole problem with her. Yeah. But that's the point where he introduces his own desire to, mm. to... There was no question prior to this from anybody to explicit question right. to do it. They rather spend much time glorifying him, which is a very interesting approach. Generally, I think I refer a little bit to situation in management, and people knock on the door and basically dump it on your, on your lap, the problem. Yeah. But we, here is a somewhat different approach. First, a lot He's, of glorification, and yeah. the problem is only indicated. And by the way, we have one small problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course, when the glorification is going on, you know there's going oh, yeah. to be something at the want? end. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> okay, enough glorification. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, make it short. Um, yeah, but also he is then stating the solution, right? He's he's himself coming up with the solution, and he's proposing it to uh, Bhavani, to uh, Parvati. Now, if you were Parvati, how would you react to this? <laughs> What you're gonna you're gonna drink poison? <laughs> huh? Oh, whoops. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but then, how does she? Anyway, that's for later. She will respond. Will she respond, or does she remain silent? No, she doesn't explicitly. Uh, oh, she said. Lord Shiva began to drink the poison, and Bhavani, who uh, knew perfectly well the capabilities of Lord Shiva, gave okay. him her permission to do so. Okay, so <laughs> she does give explicit permission, but in yeah. Okay, but but the reason is she knows his powers, so that's very nice. Something else? Yes. Maharaj, you were we were in the beginning also we were talking about Mayavadis worshiping Lord Shiva, and my question is why? If you kind of feel that you know you're a god, then why worship a mere demigod? 
It kind of seems illogical to me. Yeah. Um, you'll have to ask them. <laughs> but they're seeing uh, Shiva as, as an instrument for their purpose. And Shiva is seen as the topmost of the, of the divinities. Um, and of course, it's very difficult to generalize because there's so many different sorts of um, understandings about this. There's, um, there's a, a system, a very sophisticated uh, theological, philosophical system called um, Kashmir Shaivism, which itself has different branches, and uh, it's quite heavily tantric in nature. Um, but they, they, have an, they have their whole scheme of um, cosmology in which, in a, essentially, Shiva is at the top, but then the goal is that one... Uh, becomes, in effect, Shiva. But in order to do that, uh, there may be some worship of Shiva. So, instrumentally, there's that's a little bit I understand of it. Hmm. I guess that the fact that, that, that I find it not logical is probably because it isn't. It's kind of worship in a mode of ignorance, so it is not logical. <laughs> Well, it's logical if you think in terms of instrumentality. Um, I think it's logical. Um, of course, Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur spoke of this as Putana Bhakti. You know, sort of this, this style of, <laughs> of Putanas approaching the Lord, uh, apparently with devotion and apparently offering something. What is she offering? Poison. Uh, and uh, and and Krishna accepts that poison, and of course uh, takes her life in the process. But her purpose uh, is to kill Krishna, and so we might say this is the logic. We can say it's a perverted logic, but it's a logic nonetheless. Uh, if we look at it that way, yeah. Yes, Wait, 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 wait. We should have microphones um, that you just pull down from the ceiling. And you can have a few of them. <laughs> yes. I'm very ignorant in this kind of uh, way to understand uh, this present uh, we have in our life now is the same like uh, that Shiva do uh, in that level we can compare this like the same uh, or Jesus do and uh, most of the time we say it, uh, 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 we go to to the church and we, we ask the preacher forgiveness for the, the sinner hmm. but uh, next week we Again, we again, sin. yes. That's that mean uh, uh, we we didn't understand uh, really this poison how it right. at its work on on us. How to remove it permanently? Yeah, yeah. because uh, we're talking about this poison, but uh, 
we didn't uh, see it all the time with us. We yeah. didn't understand how to, to, to make it. Away. We didn't have pedagogy for, for, for yeah, we didn't have this kind of pedagogy to... Yeah. to, to the schooling, how to finish yeah. it completely. Yeah, that's, of course, a major subject of the Bhagavatam. And we can say in the context of this story, the permanent solution, um, it's a kind of semi-permanent solution, you can say, in, in the sense uh, Shiva is removing this poison, um, but of course the story goes on, and then they're pursuing the nectar. Uh, and we could say this is the whole problem for the impersonalist. He wants, she wants to get rid of the poison, and then thinking that it's all done. Um, but we understand, no, you need to pursue the nectar of Krishna Bhakti uh, in order to really uh, finish it once and for all. Yeah. Thank you. Maharaj, well, this is the conclusion then that Prabhupada mentions all these mantras and, and tantras and, and mean, we hear that in uh, Kali Yuga, Brahmanas are not qualified to recite these mantras. Is yeah. it, does it suggest that at one point it will have some importance in our movement or for ourselves? Or what is, what is your conclusion? Uh, tantric mantras are, uh, especially Pancharatra Tantra, that's understood as appropriate for us, uh, and so we can... We, we receive the adhikar to chant those mantras. That's why we're given the adhikar to worship the deities uh, through, essentially, through those mantras. And of course, the maham, what we call the maha mantra, uh, is understood as explicitly and specifically and especially for this age. Um, yeah. That's a whole other lecture, right? <laughs> but this is uh, this is our mantra: Kalim Sabajayantyarya Yatra Sankirtanena Eva through Sankirtan, and then uh, worship of uh, Krishna mantra is is especially for us. Kaler dosha nide rajan asti hi eko mahanguna kirtanad eva krishnasya kirtan eva krishnasya the kirtan of krishna is uh, the mahatguna the great quality of this um, age of kali so in a sense within the frame of the chanting of this mantra the maha mantra hari krishna Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. And with the blessings of the Acharyas, uh, then we take uh, further support with their blessings. We receive the Adhikar uh, to chant the, the uh, Pancharatra mantras and especially one mantra and the Brahma Gayatri from the Rig Veda. As for other mantras, um, <laughs> I can't say very much. So I, it's interesting why Prabhupada lists all these mantras. Sometimes, yeah, this was his personal ecstasy. Who knows? 
<laughs> just for completeness sake, he wanted to include. I just heard um, the other day that uh, someone was saying that, you know, there were some devotees, they don't want to follow Prabhupada because he is so heavy with the demigods. Mm. And then, but they follow a follower of Prabhupada. So maybe it's also a reason that Prabhupada gives importance to these things and just to accommodate everybody. Uh, for the purpose of accommodation, that may be there. Like sometimes Prabhupada would say, some people say that uh, Vishnu is supreme and that Krishna is an avatar of Vishnu. So we don't argue. Uh, that's all right. Uh, they can say, like, that's okay. Uh, so in that spirit. In that spirit. No, not in that spirit. In the spirit of... Um, in the spirit of Lord Shiva wanting to help all the living entities, let us remember Srimad Bhagavatam today. Grantarat Srimad Bhagavatam ki. Srila Prabhupada ki. Gaur Premanande Hare Krishna.